Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Brian Kinney from the Paralyzed Living YouTube channel. Uh, a guy who I hold very close to my heart because his videos really helped me on early on in my injury and I'm stoked to have him on the podcast. So Brian, welcome. Thank you, glad to be here, bud. This is actually the first time we're meeting, but like uh, having watched a lot of your videos, I know a lot about you. So I'd love you to tell, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so Brian Kinney, you already got that. Um, I was paralyzed in 2009, so September of 2009, had a motorcycle accident and um, ended up running into a tree head first. So that basically broke my spine at, um, I think it was between T2 and T4 was the actual break, but it was a complete, complete separate, you know, bones slipping over, you know, the bottom of the other one. So um, I was diagnosed as a T2 complete. Um, but then I ended up having some complications, which I can probably explain a little bit more later, but my injury actually got a little bit higher, um, as a result of just so much scar tissue on my spinal cord. Um, and so I'm now technically like a T1 complete, uh, but I have some nerve damage at like the C8 level. So the yeah. back of my left arm is kind of half numb all the time and I get, get some nerve pain. But I mean, I still have full strength, which is what I was really trying to, to make sure I'd keep because <laughs> arms mm. are kind of important when you're paralyzed. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that you had the, like the higher up damage and you had no well, pain in your tricep. So, right. So it was called a syrinx. Syrinx is when the spinal cord fluid, it can't flow around the spinal cord because there was so much scar tissue. So it ends up soaking into the spinal cord. And I didn't really notice it was an issue until it started soaking up above my injury level. And then that's when I'm like, wait a second, something's weird with my arm. Um, and I remember it was weird because I, I was sitting at my desk at work and I picked a scab on my arm, but I didn't know it because I couldn't feel it. And there was blood on my desk and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't even know I did that. Wow. So I called the doctor and I'm like, I called my original surgeon. I said, is this something I should worry about? And he's like, you need to go to the ER now and get an MRI. So that's when they found the uh, syrinx. That was only like six months after my accident. And the accident was in September of 2009. So, oh, no. Yeah. So I had a, two surgeries. I had a surgery for that. And then I started losing more sensation. I had another surgery. Um, all of that was done locally. And then after that, I'm like, I don't trust the surgeon. I don't trust this yeah. guy that's operated on me twice and it continues to get worse. So I went out to Colorado. It's called Craig Hospital. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty well known in the States, but it's like one of the best uh, spinal cord injury um, rehabilitation centers, but they do post-injury uh, post surgeries. And one of them is to correct a syrinx. So mm -hmm. what he did was the, the guy, the good doctor went in and put basically a, kind of a stint around the spinal cord so that scar tissue couldn't reform as it had done the you know past two times so knock on wood that was 2012 and i'm still still haven't got worse haven't gotten better but but you know like i said that my biggest thing was just trying to maintain my hands because i do so much with my hands and you know strength and everything so but yeah of course man yeah that's important and it's so lucky that you i guess found that at the time and and got to see a good doctor before it got any worse right right yeah so uh but it's i didn't really say a lot about the accident itself 
Um, do you yeah, want me to so go I was, into it? I was actually going to. I was going to ask you uh, if you don't mind uh, if you can go into as much detail as you care to, but like tell us about the day of the accident, what you felt, and how it happened, and I'd, I'd love to hear it in more detail. Yeah, so I used to commute to and from work on my motorcycle, um, and it was just pretty much any normal day. It was a Friday. I was getting ready to go home from work, and right in front of my office, there's a pretty busy street um, that has a bunch of parallel parked cars, you know, lined on it. So I was making a right-hand turn out of the, you know, parking lot of my work, and I'm looking, you know, past these uh, parked cars, and I'm like. Eh, I think I'm good. You know, I I, I knew the, the speed limit was uh, 35 miles an hour. So I'm like, yeah, you know, nobody's coming. <laughs> so I started to pull out and there was somebody doing about 55 coming oh. at me. So I cranked on the throttle to get out of their way. Um, and luckily I got out of their way, but I got a little too close to the curb. And at that point in the road, the road had started to curve. So I got a little too close to the curb. There was a bunch of just dirt and sediment in the in the curb area, and it made the bike wash out from under me. And there just so happened to be a tree right on the side of the road. So I hit the very base of the tree right on top of my helmet, which luckily I had a helmet because it's completely caved in. Uh, I can show you what that looks like. I don't know if I showed it to you in any of my other videos, but if I wouldn't wear that helmet, I mean... I would have been dead. So, um, but I was knocked out cold. I mean, I woke up in the hospital. Um, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. The other good thing is that somebody did stop. The woman that was speeding did not stop, but somebody else stopped and saw the accident. There happened to be a police officer right across the street um, at a bank. So they ran across the street. The police officer called the medic. The medic was actually at the top of the hill literally a stone's throw away from me. So it was just very, very convenient in that situation mm. that I wasn't out in the middle of nowhere because I used to ride my bike, you know, in pretty rural areas just for fun. Um, and had that happened, I would have been potentially dead, you know? Mm. So um, they picked so you, me up. You got like a medical assistant straight away, basically, because there was a medic just down the road. Right, right. Um and they, you know, I was knocked out cold, but once they took me to the hospital, it, I woke up when they were getting ready to put me in the MRI machine. And I'm like, where the hell? I had no idea where I was. I was so confused. And they're like, don't worry. They're like, you had a motorcycle accident. You know, we're, we're here to help you. We're going to, you know, see what damage has been caused. But it was at that point, they're like, you know, can you, um, can you wiggle your toes for me? And I said, no. You know, I was trying. <laughs> um, can you move your legs? I said, no. And, and they're just like, you know, just be calm, you know, and um, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Don't worry about it. Mm. So that was kind of my thing at that exact moment. I'm like, all right, just, just relax, be calm. <laughs> um, and then it was, it's so bizarre because like when you think about hospital workers, I feel like they're so removed from what actually, ha you know, the trauma that's in front of them. And I remember them, them talking about what they were going to do over the weekend. <laughs> They're like, yeah, wow. I'm going to cook out because it was a Labor Day weekend, which is a big, long weekend in, in the States. So um, it was just, I'm just like, I'm sitting here and I can't move. And you guys are talking about grilling hot dogs. You know, it's like, this just didn't make any sense. Yeah. But so how did that make you feel? 
I mean, it made me feel weird, you know, like it, just the whole experience at that time was just, I didn't know what to think. You know, I didn't know, is this permanent? I didn't even consider the fact that it could be permanent at that, you know, at that moment. I'm trying to think, I think it was the next day when I actually got to talk to the surgeon who was going to operate on me because my, you know, spinal cord, not only my spinal cord was severed, but my, I was just basically completely broken. Um, Mm. And that Monday was going to be Labor Day, Labor Day. So nobody was going to be working that day. So I didn't get operated on until Tuesday. And keep in mind, this happened no fri- Friday. So I was sitting there with a broken back for like three days, four days. Oh, no, um, that's awful. Oh, yeah. man, because it's a holiday. Oh. Yeah. And I was so in so much pain. I mean, like, wow. I don't know if you had the button, like the morphine button. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they said I had hit that button like 176 times within like five wow. minutes. I'm just like, yeah, man, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, I was, yeah. I was zonked, man. I was so drugged up. Mm. Um, it was really crazy. So when my, when I, they actually did tell me um, that I was going to be paralyzed, it was weird because my bet, two best friends were in the ICU room with me and the surgeon just happened to come in at the same time. And they asked, you know, how soon will he be able to walk? And the surgeon says, well, he'll never be able to walk again. And that's how you heard for the first time? That's how I heard for the first time, which was right in front of my friends. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Mm. You you can't fix this? And he's like, you, he's like this, the amount of damage, you know, you completely broke your spine in half. I mean, he's like, talk He's like, you know, consider the top half breaking down over the bottom half. And he's like, that's what you have right now. He's like, what I'm going to have to do is stretch you back out and we're going to have to do rods and screws, you know, to be able to um, stabilize your spine. But he's like, since, you know, the spinal cord is so damaged, he's like, there's really no chance of you walking again. So. Ouch. Yeah. And how did that make you feel when you got that diagnosis in, in, in a fairly cold manner? <laughs> yeah, it was a very matter of fact, you know, like, mm. oh, sorry, can't walk ever again. Mm. I don't know, man. I, like thinking back on that moment, I think like, I think your mind tries to protect you and won't let it really sink in. So I, I just, I, I just didn't know what to think. I was in shock, you know? Yeah. And I think I was in shock throughout the whole time I was in the hospital. Um, even rehab, you know, I'm thinking, I remember being like so gung-ho to get home. You know, I wanted to get out of that hospital bed. I wanted to learn as much as I can could to, to get home. But then it was when I got home that I'm like, oh, fuck. This is like completely all the things that I thought I could reach and could do. Like, I can't do anymore. Yeah. Um, I was also at the time of my injury, I had a townhome. So that had, you know, 15 stairs upstairs, 15 stairs downstairs. So I couldn't go back there. Um, luckily my stepdad, he had a vacant property that he was trying to sell that had a, you know, first floor master bedroom, first floor, uh, bathroom. So he said, you know what? He's like, until you can figure out what you do, you know, you're doing with your housing situation, you can live there. That's so amazing. luckily, That's so kind. Yeah, that was. I mean, it. Had I not had that, 
I'm not really sure where I would have gone, you know? Yeah. Like, none of my family had um, a home that would have been, would have been suitable for me. So That's such a common thing after an injury is to is to is to number one go home and realize that oh my god I thought the rehab center was hard you know and then you're right. like the, the real world is is totally not wheelchair accessible and then you're like oh my home isn't wheelchair accessible my ho-, you know I was actually fairly lucky that um, because I lived in a in an apartment as long as I could get in the front door everything was on one level but okay. I mean yeah I mean so, so many people come home and be like oh you know what like my nothing nothing works for me i can't get up the stairs you know like the house is not built you know the world isn't built for people in wheelchairs but you know my my home isn't and it's so crushing you know to be like oh do i have to move do i have to you know and all the unknown things of like oh what sort of adaptations do i have to make on top of dealing with the mental trauma of like some guy just going like hey you're not going to walk again sorry did did no one tell you yeah sorry totally (laughs) (laughs) yep i agree so that's Mm. exactly what happened as you as you explained it, you know. Yeah. So I remember when someone told me that I couldn't, like, I would never be able to walk again. I went through a stage of denial, like, no, surely not. Like, you can fix this. Like, you can fix this. Like, people, I, right? I didn't know about spinal cord injuries. Once you know about spinal cord injuries, like, oh no, you like, you hear about people getting spinal cord injuries, and and with, you know, without any, uh, how can I put this uh, delicately, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm going to walk again. You're like, well, good luck, like. You know, there is a chance, but you've got to come to terms with the fact that, you know, that chance is very slim and walking probably is not going to look like it did before your injury, if at all. And yeah, I mean, I was really gung ho about like, you know, smashing rehab and getting my walk back. And yeah, and then and also that I went, I remember going through a really dark period of, um, you know, if I can't walk again, I don't want to live again. You know, like I, I. I'm a snowboarder. I identified as a snowboarder, a mountain biker, a chef in a busy kitchen. If I couldn't do any of those things, who was I? You know, I am those people. You know, like now what I'm just fucking, you know, I don't like using the word in a derogatory sense, but you know, I'm just a cripple. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be part of this club, you know, and it was really hard for me to accept at first. And I, again, I remember my mum and dad uh, being really upset at the at the language I was using, like saying that I didn't want to live anymore. And um, yeah. And yeah, even I'm almost a bit ashamed because I, because you, I guess you don't really know like what your life is going to look like at first, and then being like, oh, I can't believe I was going to give all this up, you know, because uh, and you know, it's not guaranteed that your life's going to be awesome after injury, but uh, it's certainly, um, well, I, I guess it's just unexpected, isn't it? It's just so much unknown. Uh, and on that right. note, I kind of wanted to ask you if you could go back in time, is there any sort of advice that you would give to yourself, you know, after getting that diagnosis? I mean, everything you just said is exactly how I felt, <laughs> but I think if I had to go back, I mean, it would just be to, to not be so hard on myself because I'm kind of a perfectionist, you know, and, uh, I like things the way I like them. And I, I struggled so hard with that in the beginning because there was so much I couldn't do myself. Um, and I would basically just say the biggest things that, that helped me get out of the, the rut or baby, baby steps as far as, you know, getting back to driving, you know, mm-hmm. doing my own bowel program, learning how to cath myself, you know, getting all that stuff under control slowly but surely is what kind of led me to, to feel like, okay, this is going to be okay. But mm-hmm. I, I think I, I made a comment on one of your videos that I said, I'm not really sure I would change that much because so much of that trial and error is kind of what led me 
to appreciate what I have now, you know, and mm. I don't know if I would have changed that much. I, there's definitely things I could have done that make it easier, you know, uh, mm. you know, for example, like I think you had mentioned in one of your videos, man, I didn't know if I could just get cheap portable hand controls, I'd be back to driving, you know? Yeah. That was so, that was something that I didn't think I could do. You know, I thought I'd have mm. to pay the $2,000 to get, you know, hand controls installed in my car. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a bump in the road. Um, and also if I could go back and have one extra surgery to, to correct the syrinx, I would have gone straight to the Craig hospital and just knocked it out. But I had been, I had to be under the knife several times. I mean, it was like, you know, and each time it's basically like you're starting all over again, you know, with the pain and, um, rehabilitation and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd really change a whole lot, but that's probably what I'd change. Yeah. If I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. There's so many things, the struggles that I went through made me so much stronger now, if you know what I mean. And I, but I think if I could have offered myself some advice uh, and the way I'm framing this question is if I could offer myself some advice, if people that are newly injured would listen to this, and they'd be like, oh, okay. So I, again, what I'd say to myself is get some hand controls and start driving immediately because getting your independence back is like getting your life back. It's very important. For the longest right. time, I was having my girlfriend drive me around and and I felt more of a burden, you know, um, because I was like, oh, okay, you know, if we go out, we have to go out together. And then, yeah, just being like, oh my God, I can get my wheelchair in. Like I can I can go, like this is, this is awesome. And then slowly by surely getting just getting your life back and, and it's never going to look like it did before but you know I, can't, I again like, I can't believe I waited so long to get those hand controls as soon as I fitted them on my car I was like oh my god I didn't I should have done this months ago they just right. literally just screw onto the pedals and I'm and I'm off and I'm away you know so yeah it was so 100% would do that and then I guess like not to put so much pressure on myself to walk again and Again, like I, like I said in in that video I made recently, like hindsight's twenty twenty. That like I didn't know that I was gonna have a, a great life, and it's not a given. You can't just go back and say, "Don't worry, you're gonna actually be happier. Um, you're gonna be more content uh, with less things." Uh, right. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, at the time, you're grieving the person that you used to be, that identity that you that you held on to so hardly. You know, you're like, "Oh my God, I'm not that guy anymore," and that's so hard. So right. hard to not be the guy you've always identified with, and and how did that, you know, how did that affect you, you know, like, because you were the yeah. guy who was, you know, driving and and on a motorbike, and you know, and now you're the wheelchair guy, and and you didn't ask to be part of that club, so you know, how did that right. make you feel? Well, kind of like you said that you had your own identity. My identity, I've always been a car guy, so cars, motorcycles, anything that was mechanical was huge to me. Um, fixing things has always been a big deal to me. So I felt like I lost so much of that because I thought, you know, I'm never going to be able to work on cars again. I'm never going to be able to, you know, enjoy. I'm never going to be able to climb on my roof and fix, you know, shingles that fell off. Or I'm never going to, you know, be able to crawl onto the sink and fix the disposal. You know, like it was those things that I was thinking, my life is over. Like I'm going to be sitting here in a wheelchair the rest of my life and not be able to do anything for myself. Somebody's going to have to wipe my ass, you know? Mm. That was tough. That was really tough for me because I am, I've always been independent. You know, I've, I've never mm. asked for handouts. I had a job since I was 11 years old, you know? Mm. So I'm like, now I don't have any of that. So 
I kind of went in a spiral was kind of like you did, um, just depression, just really upset and, um, you know, saying nasty things to my family, even though, you know, they were trying to, they were there to help me. And I was so, my an emotional roller coaster, I guess I should say, because there's days that I wouldn't have great days. You know, I'd do really well in rehab and then I'd get home and just be staring at the wall and I'd just get so low. Um, and it, it was very up and down, up and down for quite a while um, until I figured out how to drive again. And that was kind of my first nugget of, you know, okay, now that I have that, that means I can go back to work uh, because I had to find a way to get there. I wasn't going to have my family take me to work and pick me up every day. Um, so getting back to work and driving were pretty much my first two big, you know, hurdles that I wanted that for myself, I wanted to get back. Um, yeah. And I was really bummed because I used to drive manual transmission cars and, you know, I had to sit there and look at my car sitting in the garage like, mm. I can't even, I can't drive that, you know? Mm. So, and I worked so hard for that car that I was so pissed. I'm just like, man. So I ended up selling that car and then got an automatic, which is fine, but that's that wasn't me. That wasn't my identity. So I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah. No, I understand. Thanks so much for sharing that. And on the subject of work, if I, if I could go back in time, even to like, not when I was newly injured, but like just a couple of years ago, I'd, I would have said to myself, hey man, go back to work. Like it will give you a sense of purpose and it will give you a new sense of identity. You know, you may not be a chef in a busy kitchen, but you can be really cool. Like on the phone, you know, hello, Skeedy Gonzalez, this is Fred. You know, I really yeah. like my job. I really like being part of the team. You can, and being part of a team and coming back to work is so important. And the sense of community, the sense of like, oh, I'm earning. Uh, and I think it was just really, I, I would have loved to have gone back to work earlier. But I remember you went, well, I saw in your videos, but I'd like to hear it from, 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 from you. You went back to work at the law firm you were working at and they made some special arrangements. And how did it feel, you know, going back to work? Good. I mean, I think pretty much the advice you would, would have given yourself, what I'm hearing is keep yourself busy which is what I would have told myself and getting back to work is keeping yourself busy. Um, yeah, luckily I was able to go back to the same place that I worked at prior to my accident. Um, and they, you know, made access, you know, accessibility changes like automatic doors and I'm trying to think what else they did. I got, um, they ended up paying for a desk that I could use with a standing frame. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Um, but they were totally cool with, you know, letting me go back part-time for right at first just to see how it was going you know i mean uh that was one thing that i knew i needed because i was still in you know outpatient rehab and i still needed to take care of those things for myself but i also wanted to be able to work too mm. so that's what i did and, and honestly I, I went back to work within three and a half months of my accident which awesome. is pretty which is pretty quick compared to a lot of people had I been still working on cars, which was my prior job, I wasn't working mm. in an office, that would have been a little bit harder for a transition. Mm. But I was I was lucky in that fact that, you know, they were like, cool, let us know what you need. They were super supportive once I got back to work. Um, I worked with a lot of, I worked with a lot of younger people my age, and they were just all rallying. I mean, they had raised some money for me to help pay medical bills and yeah, just cool people, you know, just people I enjoyed to be around. 
and that's that's always been me. I mean, I've just been more of a social guy, you know, and having that human interaction is just that's that's what I needed, you know, mm. to get my mind off the fact that okay, I'm sitting in a wheelchair and I probably ship I'll probably shit my pants later, but <laughs> I'm not having to think about that right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's great, man. It sounds like that's so wonderful to have um, employers that that welcome you in because I think it's probably more intimidating to look for a job when you're in a wheelchair and being like, oh, because I remember I'm saying like, oh, you know, I'm I'm in a I'm putting a post on a, a Facebook group uh, that we have in Morzine, and I was like, oh, I'm looking for a job. Uh, you know, I I live locally, I have my own transport. The only problem is I'm in a wheelchair, and I kind of framed it like it like. You know, like, oh, please, can I have a job? You know, I, I, you, well, you kind of have to let people know that, you know, if your office isn't wheelchair accessible, I'm not the right guy for you, you know. Um, right. But then circle back to, like, the next time I put uh, a post on, I was like, you know, as a wheelchair user, I offer a unique perspective to the workplace. And it was a bit more po- positively framed, you know, because I know that I can do a job just as well now, like, after being in an office. If you've got an office that I can get into, I can pretty much do the job to a high standard. Um, but, yeah, I remember being a bit bashful about asking for a job because, uh, you know, the only problem is I'm a wheelchair user and it's kind of almost adorable really. But at the same time, I think maybe it was easier for you having an employer, like knowing that you can do the job and be like, oh, Brian, we're going to make all these, uh, you know, adjustments for you. Please come back to work. And that must've been amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. And I completely agree. I mean, had I not had that to go back to, I probably would have waited longer and I could have, you know, stretched out my depression a little bit longer than I did had I because like I said I get stir crazy I don't even even now I don't even sit on the couch and watch TV I just mm. don't I just don't that's not my that's not I'm not the couch potato you know I'm the I gotta get shit done kind of person or or just spend time with my family I mean that's that's a huge thing I like to do that's a huge part of who I am now you know I'm a dad so um and it sucks too because that's part of the reason why I don't make haven't been making YouTube videos recently. I want to. I'm so focused on making sure that you know I'm there to see her grow up, especially in the age that she is. She's five years old, you know. And I'm like, I, re- I remember three years ago seeing something um, online that said, you know, you really only have five years of having a small child. Five years goes by like that, you know what I mean? So. I'm like, you know what? I think I might step back because I love making videos and I'm, I would love to continue doing it, but it was taking too much time away from, you know, the editing. I mean, you know how that goes. Editing takes longer than making a video. Um, so yeah, eventually I'll get back to it, but that's kind of what, what went down. Well, I really want to ask you about your YouTube channel, but before we uh, segue away to that, I heard an interesting uh statistic on a podcast recently and it said that when your child moves out when she is 17 18 or whatever you've already spent 97 percent of the time you will ever spend with your child once they move out the rest of it is going to be three percent and i was like whoa that's crazy that's a crazy statistic not just for the parents but for the child if you tell the child by the way you know the rest of the time that we've got together is the three percent you know, and it's kind of a, it's an odd statistic because you, you, your time together is so intense in, at the beginning, but right. once they leave the nest, it's very, very rarely that they that they come back, and I think that's 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 a great thing. You know, that's, that's how we evolved. You know, to, to not just not be so needy, but it's just a crazy t- statistic. And um, 
yeah, I don't know if you'd heard of that before, but yeah, that's what you mean. You want to savor that time, you know, while she's young and, and it's a great attitude to have. Right. Yeah, it goes by quick. And it's so funny because I'm, I'm used to just being busy with, you know, the family. But like you said, I'm like, I was looking at my retirement account the other day. And I'm like, what the hell is retirement going to look like? Just me, like what, me and my wife just doing nothing? Like, mm. that's going to be weird, you know, because mm. I'm so used to being busy all the time. But that's why I'm not pushing retirement anytime soon. <laughs> you know, you've got these people that are like, oh, I'm going to retire when I'm 50 or 45. I'm like, how are you going to do with yourself? You know, like, yeah. I need to do something. You know, I need to feel like I'm, you know, contributing to society in some way, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. I actually felt like I had retired uh, when I had my accident because I was, um, luckily enough, I was uh, financially stable. I had like some fundraising and, and the healthcare here is really good. So they were paying me some, like it's called assurance malady. So I was, I felt like I was retired and you know what, like for everyone who's looking forward to retirement, you know, it's, it's tough. Like, well, for me, I found it, you know, you've got all the, you know, to be fair, yeah, I started a YouTube channel. I started a podcast. I was doing artwork, but to self-motivate, um, to put it in perspective, after I got a job, I was way more productive. It's so weird. If you give me a to-do list and all day to do it, I'll just procrastinate all day. But if you give me, you know, a, a structured routine, I will slot in those gaps and I will like, you know, it, 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 I'm so much more productive when I have that structure and routine. And I think maybe, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, what's the word? I wouldn't idolize retirement because it can be a challenge, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I really want to be able to travel, but then I'm like, well, what's that going to look like, you know? Um you see that you said you lived in Australia, but have you have you done any long flights since your accident? No, I haven't. Uh, I've only flown to the UK and back uh, where my okay. family live, and it's yeah, it's I haven't done any. I think um, because I travelled a lot before my accident, I feel like I've got the travel bug out of me. I wouldn't mind going on small holidays, but the again, it sounds a bit defeatist, but. Honestly, like traveling in a wheelchair is just, oh, you know, like life is hard in a wheelchair. I mean, a lot of people do it and fair play. Um, I wouldn't try and discourage anyone, but I feel like uh, I'm in that, you know, I've just turned 40, 41 and life goes by, man. So, yeah, it's just I'm happy to um, I guess my comfort bubble has got smaller and I'm content with that. So I'm in no rush to to yeah do do those things. Yeah. But I did want to ask you um, about your YouTube channel and um, because as for someone like me who's benefited a lot from your videos, more than you probably will ever know. Um, That's cool. I want to ask you, uh, what made you start your YouTube channel? So again, back to driving. Um, I had just had my uh, new car, the automatic, it's the Infiniti. Um, I had that modified with hand controls and I was sitting in my driver's seat parked one day and I'm like, you know what? I should videotape how this works because I'm such a mechanical. I I like to know how things work, and I'm like maybe other people would. So I basically made the video showing how the hand controls worked, but also my my biggest message for that video was that you know what? If you're paralyzed, you don't necessarily have to have a wheelchair ban because that's what I was being told. You know, I got in the hospital and they're like, you're gonna have to get a, a van and 
my literally my words were fuck that i'm not gonna get a van i'm gonna find <laughs> i'm gonna find something that's more me you know yeah and that was a big accomplishment to have a sports car modified with hand controls that i could get my chair in it out so that was video mm-hmm. one number one i think i ended up deleting it because it was i think it dropped some bombs in there and like <laughs> i am now we got a potty yeah. now but no that's um, fine yeah but then that led to, you know, once I figured out how to do a floor to chair transfer, that felt like good information for other people to know. So I walked them through that and pretty much the YouTube channel just took that path of, you know, uh, one of my terms is get, you know, get busy living or get busy dying, you know, and that was pretty much the the message I wanted to relay. Just like you, here's how it can work. Here's how you can be happy, it, but you know it's it, the choice is yours. I mean, there's you got to think about. There's probably a lot of people you've come in contact with that are paralyzed that just still haven't come to terms with it. And I feel like that's just person to person basis. But if you can give somebody some tools, you know, to say, hey, you don't have to trial and error this for you know three months. Here's how I did it. If you want to give that a shot, then you might learn it a lot quicker. So yeah, that's kind of how the how the YouTube channel started. On that note, I wanted to tell you this for the longest time, but uh, your video about the bowel uh, program was so life-changing for me because I was in a rehab center that wasn't a spinal rehab center, so no one told me about manual stimulation. I was on the toilet for like uh. three and a half hours trying to squeeze a poo out of my paralyzed bum, not being yeah. able to do it. I saw one video of you and I was like, oh my God. And I asked, you know, can I get some rubber gloves and some and some lube, please? And then boom, I did a poo in 10 minutes. And I was like, thank you, Brian. Crikey. Like someone had to say it. <laughs> That's awesome. I know that was, an, no one, that was an awkward video, but I'm like, you know what? Uh, you know, this is necessary information for people to know, you know? Of course, I don't want to go on the internet and tell everybody I stick my finger up my ass to poop, but <laughs> it's a thing I have to do. So you yeah. take care of business, you know? So that is, that's what I have to thank you for. And that's why I think I hold you in my head, like on a little bit of a pedestal, because there's this guy, this humble guy called Brian on YouTube, <laughs> boldly just saying stuff that I was like, I would never say that, but thank yeah. you for saying that because now, you know, I can do that. And oh my God, you know, hooray, I did a poo, like, you know, and it's gone from like three and a half hours to 10 minutes, you know, like, of right. course, like, and I was pissed off, if I'm honest, that no one was telling me like, hey, have you heard of manual stimulation? Like, why don't you do that? I was like, I had to bloody go on YouTube and find and find your channel. And then once I found your channel, I was down the rabbit hole, man. And I was like, watching all of them. I pretty I think I've watched all of your videos. And I cool. went back recently, because I was showing my girlfriend and sort of prepping for the podcast. And I remember thinking, I didn't drop any comments on your videos. And I remember, why didn't I just say, oh, thanks, Brian, this was really helpful, which made me reflect on my own channel. And sometimes you see the views and you don't know who's looking. And sometimes it makes me think, look, maybe someone's really benefited from a video that I've made. They just haven't like dropped a comment. Um, but yeah, one of that, that was a great video, man. And I had to thank you so much because I, you know, I was just like, oh my God, that's how you do it. And then that led me, you know, down the rabbit hole of Googling, you know, other techniques and finding other people talking about it. So even releasing a video, which was rather bold, shall I say. I was keeping a little video, uh, like a little vlog uh, that I was sending out to people in a closed message group, but I, they were public on YouTube. And the very first video I shared on Facebook 
was about my bowel routine and, and using catheters. And I was like, man, like, I don't know if I was high on opiates or whatever, but I was like, that was a <laughs> bold choice for your first ever video. And uh, right. it got a, got a pretty good response. People were like, wow, I didn't know you had to do that. Um, and in hindsight, I was like, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty brave share. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just not walking. You know, I mean, people see a guy in a wheelchair. It's like, oh, he didn't have to walk. You know, he just doesn't walk. No, that the not walking. I always tell people, I think that's the easy part is not walking. Mm. You know, the hard part's the bowel, the bladder, the fact you can't, you know, your sexual function doesn't work the way it used to. And when I got injured at 25, that was a big deal. You know, I'm like, mm. I'm going to go have sex, you know, and, <laughs> be able, and be able to feel it and be able to have that release, you know. Um, it's just weird how much changes, you know, your perspective on that, even just sex alone. I mean, it's no longer just booty call, you know, sex. It's like, you know, you can actually focus more on the intimacy mm. of it, you know, and, and, and that's what my wife and I do. And it's not about the whole, you know, penetration sex stuff, you know, it's more about just the connection between two people. So it's just a, di it's. It's looking at life through a different lens. I know you've you've used that term before, but it's exactly what it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I, um, do you think sex is better after your injury? I mean, it doesn't feel. You know, I don't have any feeling, so it's different. I think, um, yes. I would overall say yes, because the intimacy, the closeness, you know, even just scratching my wife's back, you know, and mm. being, you know, just together is, is good for me. I like that. You know, I like, mm. I've always been the pleasure giver. So, <laughs> you know, and that's another thing with, you know, being paralyzed that I'm not, I'm not trying to get to an end goal and then take a nap afterward. So I can give you I can give you three orgasms and and you're you know happy happy as can be. So I feel like I'm probably a better lover post injury than I was pre injury, just because I'm not like you know you don't get that like flick of the switch after you you know come um, and you're like uh, all right I just want to you can go you can go in now you know like <laughs> that kind of that kind of sensation. Yeah, so I think uh, sex is better after my injury for sure but then in full disclosure i do have sensation it's it's certainly limited and sex is certainly very different but i have a bit more movement like because because you're paralyzed from here so like the nipple area and i have my abs yep. and i have some sensation in my in the top of my thighs but i also suffer from spasticity i don't really have a lot of voluntary movement but i can sort of get around in the bed a little bit and also have like, I don't know if you have this, but I have heightened erogenous zones. So for example, like I can pretty much have a whole body orgasm from from getting kissed on my neck, which is uh, really oh. nice. It's for some reason, it's just super sensitive. And I'm like, whoa, and it's, uh, it's, it's quite glorious. And uh, I think, and just exploring uh, sexuality in, in a completely different way right. has given me such a, an insight on what inter some intimacy looks like after an injury. Um, it was, it's, it's blown my mind how, I guess, 
I was I wouldn't say I was a bad lover before my accident, but this is this is sort of you know I've stepped up to like a different tier of like wow, and also like you say like there's no so I can't uh, ejaculate without um, vibratory stimulation, which also I got from your uh, video. Thank you very much. Cool, that's <laughs> awesome. And uh, so like when we're making love, there's no there's no rush, you know. There's no like there's no you know I'm not gonna you know I'm you try as hard as you want i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get there before you if you know what i mean right so um right. it's really lovely and there's uh and i don't know there's just it's just also i think there's another thing that happened um conversation and honesty you know honesty honest conversations about intimacy um it those things bring you closer together before you even get intimate you know like um it, i don't know it's for me it's been so I think the reason I brought this up was because I think if you're newly injured and you're like, shit, what does sex look like after my injury? It can be really good. Uh, I know it's really scary. Like, um, you know, I, I, to be, again, in full disclosure, I went for about 18 months after my injury without being able to feel my dick at all. It was completely numb. And it was only oh, wow. until about a year and a half later, I started getting sensation back. And huh. luckily I got uh, a vibrator um and you know use that technique and you know pop goes the weasel and i was like holy smokes oh my god praise the lord <laughs> yeah so it's like it's like seeing an old friend you know come home yeah. from a long trip it's like i remember you yeah. yes yeah i remember the first time i did post-injury was probably seven years after my accident maybe wow. yeah i mean it was a while now i don't know if it was quite that long but it was a long time at least four four and a half years where you're at, um, mm. and I'm like, holy shit! I just came and it's amazing, <laughs> you know. And yeah. the reason we were doing it was to try to start a family, mm. but even just being able to see it, you know, just having just having the mental knowledge that I was able to do that, you know, and it was just it was great, it was great. But for me, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. So I get um, autonomic dysreflexia. What level are you? Are you I'm below like T seven? T twelve, yeah. So it's quite. Low oh wow! Okay. To yours, yeah. Okay, so yeah, T seven and above, um, autonomic dysreflexia is just you know, it's your body's response to overstimulation, uh, and you get a huge spike in blood pressure. You start sweating. You um, feel like your head's going to explode because of that blood pressure in your head. So. That's what I experienced the first time I ejaculated was just a pounding headache. And I'm like, oh, wow. well, that that was horrible. It was a horrible experience getting to that point. But at least I got to see it come out and know that I can produce a sample, you know, if we want to do fertility treatments and stuff like that, because it's very important. You have to be able to clean the pipes, so to speak, <laughs> so you can make sure your sperm's good enough, you know, for creating a child. It's a, yeah, it's exactly. a whole thing. It's a, it's a complicated complicated process yeah that's so awesome and also i think one of the things that i love about your channel is that you've shared that journey with your audience and it's yeah. so lovely to be like looking at your old videos and being like oh you know this is how i do things to being like oh you and even the you know the sex after spinal cord injury the intimacy after spinal cord injury videos that you did were really enlightening the um you know how different ways that you can ejaculate were very brave you know very very brave um and Again, for for people like me, like oh wow, oh amazing, like maybe I'll try that. And and yeah, in, in again, in full disclosure, it didn't work for the longest time, and I gave up. And then uh, again, I tried 
uh, probably about a year later and I was like oh it, wow okay cool that, that works that's great and actually for me it is quite pleasurable which is which is awesome I can imagine it being quite like oh I did it but I've got a pounding headache that wasn't very uh, <laughs> enjoyable or desirable to repeat the to repeat the, the process right. but um but yeah, I think it's it's different. Like I say, my injury is lower down, and I'm so grateful I don't get autonomic dysreflexia because it sounds awful. And yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm just very very grateful that that isn't the case for me. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I think, like I say, I want to let people out there know if the, if people are newly injured that there is there is you know sex life after after injury, you know, and it, and it yeah. can be can be wonderful. It's definitely going to look a lot different, but. Uh, it's still it's still awesome and that's kind of that i always think about like if i were to walk in a room to my 25 year old self and tell him everything that i know now at 39 if i don't know if even if i told myself that i probably have been like you're you're full of shit man like there's you know because because you your life is so ingrained at that point you know what you're what you're used to, you'd be like, dude, you're you're full of crap, you know. And my my sex life is never going to be as good, you know. To say it's better, which it is, would be I feel like at that age, kind of hard for me to to wrap my mind around, you know. Mm. So I don't know. I've I've told people the same thing, you know. I've gone back to rehab and I've been a I am a peer mentor for newly injured people, but I think they just are they're still in the denial stage that. Anything I tell them is just not, it's just kind of going in one ear and out the other. Eventually, I've had people say, I've had people reach out to me four years, you know, four years after their accident and say, you know what? I get it now. I get what you're talking about that, you know, this is doable. It's, it's not life isn't over. Um, and they're like, thank you so much for, you know, everything you've done. And I'm like, absolutely. Cause that's what I wanted in the beginning. Uh, I remember being in the rehab boss when I'm like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, you therapists know kind of how to help me. I want to talk to actually somebody who's doing it, somebody that actually is in my shoes, because that's another reason I started making the videos. They had, they had tried to teach me ways to roll over in bed. Once I got home, I figured out a completely different method that worked way better. And the reason I did that was because they don't know how to roll over, you know, with only having shoulders, you know, mm. and... <laughs> in a head basically in two arms because I'm paralyzed from the armpits down, you know? So I figured I could show people how that works from somebody who actually experienced it. I yeah. don't know. And uh, were you surprised at how popular your videos are? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning I, I didn't, they weren't super duper popular, but um, so the one video that kind of made the, the channel blow up a little bit more, I think was the, getting dressed after a spinal cord injury you know i'm sitting there in my underwear and mm -hmm. uh you know the comments are just you know you got every you know you're i i understand it i'm a pervert heart you know i want to see <laughs> how that stuff works but you know like, three minutes and 32 seconds i can see your dick you know like come <laughs> on you're you're full of shit you know <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that one you know after i don't know eight or nine years there you know it's got like a million views I'm like, I know. So either somebody's coming back to spank it, you know, <laughs> or there's that many people, you know, yeah. there's that many people watching it. So, and that, and that felt good, you know, that felt great 
to that I could show people how to do that and um you know and if they got something else out of it so be it whatever doesn't doesn't bother me <laughs> yeah it's crazy though because um i i know exactly the video you're, you're referencing and i watched it very recently and now on youtube if you hover over the bar you can see like the most replayed bits and the most replayed bits are where you can maybe for a half a second see the faint outline shadow of your willy you know, and you're like, why are people like, you know, oh my God, you know, you know, you can, there's actual free porn, you know, you can open up a new right. browser and you can just like see. Real, like real porn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, so I had the similar experience. There's a, a bathtub transfer I did in a, in a hotel room and I tried like covering up uh, like not very good with um, like a YouTube logo. And there is like a tiny, like half a second where you might be able to see if you strain your eyes a little bit of dick you know and that video constantly outperforms all my new videos and it really annoys me i'm like really guys come on like come on like you if you strain really hard yeah maybe you can see a bit of a faint outline of a shadow but i've got so many good resources on my channel for newly injured users why is this video completely outperforming all my other videos you know, I'm just thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, sell nudes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I know I told you I've been there and done that. So that, that yeah, video, well, a- yeah. So that video was, um, what kind of led me to like, man, we really need money for IVS. Mm. Hmm. Maybe I'll show them, you know? Like, <laughs> it's a perfect segue. I've been, I've been, I've been gagging to ask you more about it actually, but, um, we're there already, but yeah. So, so please continue. Yeah, so I basically completely blew any credit for myself. But, you know, I did do, you know, I did some nude pictures and stuff to to raise money for IVF. I mean, we did, we did four fertility treatments. So by the fifth time, we were already $50,000 of debt. And I'm like, well, not necessarily completely in debt, but we had spent $50,000 and, you know, we still didn't have much to show for it. So I'm like, you know yeah. what? I don't care at this point. I don't know about you, but like nudity became very like nonchalant after I was in the hospital. Um, you know, you've got people wiping your ass. You've got people, you know, in and out, changing you, doing all this stuff. So I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, that's my deck. Yep. You've seen it. And that, you know, <laughs> I didn't care. So I'm like, maybe these people <laughs> uh, like devotees, you know, mm. uh, do you know what devotee is? I do, yeah. Maybe you can explain it. So devotees um, are people that are either sexually or emotionally attracted to people with disabilities. And I thought that was super weird at first. But once I kind of, I actually gave myself a chance to kind of get to know a couple of them a little bit better. And I'm like, yeah, you okay, so you've got a kink, which I understand, you know, that's kind of a taboo thing to be sexually attracted to somebody in a wheelchair. But it's, I don't think it's that different from somebody who's an ass man or, you know, like yeah. likes giant boobs or, you know, it's just a different kind of thing. So I'm like, you know what? I don't mind um, doing nudes. And there, nothing that I did was terribly pornographic. I mean, it was, mm. it was actually more artistic. It was something I kind of enjoyed doing because um, it wasn't, you know, a pornographic thing. It was more like, I've always been really into like nude art and it was something that I'm like, you know what? I could probably do that. 
I think women look a hell of a lot better nude than men, but yeah, yeah. people, it worked enough to, you know, to raise, you know, a decent amount of money. And I only had those, it was basically like an OnlyFans, but it was prior to OnlyFans and it was very low rate. It wasn't the fanciest website. Um, and I had stuff up there for like six months. And then once we figured out we were pregnant, I'm like, uh, I don't want my kid to find, you know, mm. find this and seven years so i went ahead and took it all down but he gave us some money and it was kind of fun at the same time that's amazing man i've got a million questions for you um so i think maybe i i could be interested to know but maybe other people would be interested to know like uh how much (laughs) you got and uh sort of what website was it and how like did you get contacted or did you contact people? How did you get contact? There's so many questions because I'm, th- you know, immediately I'm thinking, ching, ching, ching. Like, how yeah. much? Because I could, I could pose naked. I could get my dick out for sure. Like, you know, everyone's got a price, <laughs> man. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Honestly, if if you know, if only fans existed at the time, that's the way to go because uh. it's so much better than what I was dealing with. Basically, the the website it was on, which I'm not going to say because it's embarrassing AF. I don't even think it exists anymore. But anyway, um, people would contact the, like, I basically reached out to the person that runs the site. She put all my content up and then they got like a 15% cut of whatever, you know, profits I had made. Mm. Um, but it was kind of half ass shady. It felt a little bit shady because the customers would reach out to her you know, hey, I want this video. She would reach out to me and just say, hey, I sold this, you know, uh, today and here's your money. So it was kind of like, maybe she left a lot of money on the table, you know, like there was really no way for me to directly know uh, how much money she actually got. But Mm. um, I think I raised, it wasn't anything crazy, maybe $5,000 from all that, but $5,000 is better than nothing, (laughs) you know? Right. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so, and I what, had like a Catholic video and, you know, just a couple, you know, other things that, I, like I said, weren't like terribly pornographic, but more how to, just like I'm already used to doing, just naked, you know? Well, so like how, like graphic how to videos. Basically. Yep. And you said it was like tasteful nude. So it wasn't anything like, like you say, it wasn't anything like, yeah, so I won't go into detail, yeah, not, but you can use your imagination. But so yeah, it's just not, tasteful, tasteful nudes and some cathing. Yeah, yeah, just different, you know, poses that were actually, you know, everything I did for the pictures was in black and white, which mm-hmm. I thought looked cool. Um, you know, so it, it wasn't like, you know, I'm sticking anything in my butthole or doing anything <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going crazy. I don't need, I don't need all that. That would be weird. No, I get it. I get it. Fun. So uh, you raised $5,000. That's amazing. Right. And who took the photos? Um, I Devotees, I guess. Um, no, I mean, who took the photos? Oh, physically took the photos. So I took the photos. Uh, basically using either a, a timer or um, sometimes I would take a video and then just edit the still shots. So, I mean, it, and it was all done with an iPhone. So these, yeah, these pictures weren't like super duper high quality, but I think anybody that would see them would be like, oh, that, I would never have guessed that was with an iPhone, you know? Oh, um, okay, cool. And what sucks is like, 
after I released those things and, you know, had opened up to some friends about, you know, hey, I've done this, you know, e- even though it's kind of embarrassing. Like, we w- like professional photographers were like, we would have taken the pictures of you, you know, and I'm like, damn it. You know, you yeah. probably could have gotten some way better shots, you know. Maybe. And I, and I wouldn't care. Like, can you move your bowls to the side, please? Just to line them up a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> like, see, I, I didn't know that until after I got off the bed and picked up the camera. Like, oh, man, my bowls are crooked. Come on. I got I to gotta fix that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So, um, so. yeah. So, so you, it's, it's crazy. So, I get you, if you would recommend it now, you would just say go down the OnlyFans route? I would. I mean, if I had to do it again, um, it's become so mainstream. You know what I mean? And there's definitely a niche for it. <laughs> so cash in if you want cash in. I am i don't do it anymore just because I, you know, I'm a dad. <laughs> and I don't yeah, really Yeah, of want, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, but like I say, I'm, I'm, their own. I'm not desperate for the cash, but I was just wondering like how much, how, you know, everyone's got a price, you know, you're like, you know, show me a dick for five grand. I'll be like, hell yeah. You know, <laughs> like, um, right. Well, and, and the other thing too, like I don't, I don't know if I've ever admitted this to anybody, but I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. I enjoyed it. I it was kind of like a a different sexual mm. release for me, you know, that it was itching a sexual side of me that I hadn't ever done before. You know, it's like how a blind man's sense of touch mm. gets better. You know, it was just that whole thing where I was kind of going down a different avenue for, you know. It kind of turned. It was kind of a turn on to be able to turn other people on. I don't know. I don't know if that's Not just a all. weird mind, you know, hey, you mind thing sexy. or what. But I, that's right. And and that was a big thing that I felt like I mm. lost after my injury was, you know, I was I was twenty five. It was at you know in the best shape of my life. Um, felt most attractive. You know, I I was never, I was never cocky or anything like that. You know, I was always very humble. But yeah. I felt attractive at that time. So I felt like I got taken down, you know, to just a cripple in a wheelchair. And I'm like, I don't feel sexy anymore. I don't feel attractive. I don't feel like people, you know, I feel like people pity me, you know, when they look at me. And and um, kind of getting out of that was part of what this journey was all about, you know. And the news made me feel sexy. So I'm like, all right, we'll do this. Even though I think women... Women can take nude photos a lot better yeah. than a man. Man, you know. No, there's nothing whatever. to be ashamed at at all. Like I wasn't. Um, I was asking out of pure curiosity um, because, it, again, something that sparked yeah. my interest. Like, oh, Brian did it. You know, he, I, how much? I, I could do it too. You know, I'm, I'm open to it. And also, I understand what you mean about feeling sexy. Because yep. after, you know, I want people to see past the chair. Like I think, you know, I keep myself in good shape. I think I'm an attractive man. But a lot of people will just see the wheelchair. And um, you know what? I wasn't going to share this, but um, something happened to me yesterday. And I'll share this with you because it, it's. I was a little bit offended. I'm not the sort of person to be overly offended. But I met this lady. Um, she can definitely remain anonymous. But she said to me, she's like, oh, my God, you've got a new girlfriend? Crikey, you must have something going for you. Maybe you've got a big dick. And I was like, really? Like, that really you know like, yeah i've got way more going for me like no um do you know what i mean like it, it kind of it, you do i mean how does that how does that make you feel if yeah. someone said that to you like 
De- I mean, it's yeah, that is definitely kind of offensive. I'm the I can't I don't get offended that easily, but that probably would be like the hell's that supposed to mean, you know? Um yes, I would feel the same way if I was in your shoes, like, oh well, you know, nobody would ever want to be with a guy in a wheelchair unless he has a big dick. That's essentially what she was saying. Not trying to be mean, but that's kind of what she implied. Um yeah, I get that. I would have been I would have been the kind of like, well fuck you. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it wasn't yeah. the time or place to to have that conversation, so I let it slide. But uh, afterwards, I said to my girlfriend, and and she was like, "Yeah, that really was offensive." Like, and I was like, "Okay, cool." Just you know, again, I'm not the sort of person that's uh, easily offended or like overly offended. But I was just like, "Yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way." Like, I think I'm way more than my wheelchair, and that's kind of what you're implying. And it kind of brings me back to my point where you want right. to want people to see past the wheelchair and be like, you know, I'm an attractive guy. I've got a good personality. I'm quite charming and you know, humble <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. rather than just, you know, make an ignorant comment like that. And I think, you know, like what you say, if it made you feel sexy uh, and even though devotees get a bad rep sometimes, uh, you know, it, they find yeah. our disability attractive. And I think that's, you know, that's cool. And I think maybe there's a few bad apples that give the, the group like a bad uh, reputation, but I think generally, from what I've heard from a lot of people, females especially, that you know they're they're a good bunch. They just um, they just have their their attraction and and that, you know whether it's a kink or not, it's it is what it is. Right, right, and that's exactly what I found as I opened myself up to get to know them a little better. I'm like, okay, well, you know, these people aren't creeps. I remember one. One buddy that somebody that uh, had commented on my video one time was talking about how mm-hmm. sexy my feet were, and I was like, my feet, feet are that's weird. Feet are weird, you know. And then he was, he, I went to his channel, and it's videos of him following people around, taking video of their feet. So whether it be people in sandals or people, I'm just like, dude, you're uh, uh, okay. I can't, yeah. I can't get behind that. Like that's just a little too far. So that's a good example of somebody that I would be like, uh, yeah, I don't really want a whole lot to do with you. But if it's uh, a different situation, um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool yeah. with it. Whatever. I recently took a video of my girlfriend playing with my feet and they're quite tickly. So when you like stroke them, they um, they curl up and it's sort of like a, a spasticity, I guess, or, or, or a response. And I thought... Man, this view, this yep. video would get so many views on YouTube. But what am I releasing it for? Am I, re- you know, you know, my paralyzed feet are ticklish. You know, what? Oh, boom! Like that would be my most popular video. But you know, do I want to? Do I want to draw that traction to my YouTube channel? Because sometimes I do get, you know, my ego gets in the way. Like I released a video this week. Um, you commented on it, and it was about, you know, what advice would I give to my depressed self or you know my newly injured self and. I thought it wildly underperformed, if I'm honest, and maybe that's my ego, but I was like, damn it, I put a lot of effort into that video, and it's not got a lot of views, and I think it kind of deserves more, and I was a little bit like, god damn it, I could put a video of my feet, and it would get like 10,000 views. (laughs) What do I want from my YouTube channel? Do I want the views? I don't know. Like, um... Right. No, I completely get that. I've had the same situation where I'm like, man... I put my heart and soul into this and nobody really gives a shit. And now they're going back to the dressing video to see my three minute and 32 second, you know, ball poking out or whatever that, whatever they think they saw, which doesn't exist. I, I, I feel you on that. I mean, 
it's it's a labor of love like doing these videos you know it's a lot of work and you want people to be able to appreciate that um mm. so i get yeah. it i definitely get on it. that subject i was really touched when you said that you watched my videos and i was wondering like how you found my channel and like what was the first video you remember seeing of mine that's what that's what i was trying to figure out um i was looking scrolling through your videos yesterday and i'm like which one was the one that that kind of brought me here i think what it was was you you know youtube makes suggestions you know you'll get a pop-up that says hey if you like this you should check out so-and-so's page and that's how i stumbled across your videos but i don't remember which one it was what i remember was just your delivery and how i first of all i think your accent's cool as hell i feel like the american accent makes me sound like i'm you know uneducated or uh, stupid you know compared to hearing you and i'm like i'm like this guy's so eloquent listen listen that's to such him, a kind you know? compliment man but i don't um, I, I find your uh accent equally endearing you know I, I actually really like it but i just yeah it was the endearing part of your videos that i i could connect with so much i i could see you know what you were pouring into these videos was authentic which i feel like a lot of the stuff that i do is authentic i feel like there's a lot of shit out there that's not authentic so that's kind of what made me feel like I get it. I get this guy and I, I understand where he's coming from. And, you know, I've been there, you know, and having that connection of been there, done that. And he's doing the same thing. You know, it, it, another video that I found just hilarious recently was one that you were talking about. You had done mushrooms and then you realized I might have to shit. Uh, I better get out of the standing frame. Like, I'm just like. I, I it was just funny the way you described that scenario. I just yeah, thought it was well, very I was tripping balls at the time, but uh, and also it was one of those things where I was like, oh my god, my <laughs> mom's gonna watch this. And also I, I remember recording it and then like the next day being like, oh, I'm as if I'm gonna put that on YouTube. No way. And then I did the podcast with Brittany and she said, oh, you should definitely put that on there because I brought it up and. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I watched it again. I was like, you know, when t enough time passes, you're like, that is so funny. I was like, I, sh I should definitely put that up there because it's, yeah. it's really funny, right? So, uh, yeah. And then and I put it up there. And, and, sure. yeah, and in the end, I, I was, again, I was a little bit scared of like, oh, my God, what if it goes viral and everyone sees it? And obviously it didn't. But uh, I remember thinking, you know, what if my work colleagues see right. it? What are they going to think? And I, no one ever mentioned it. So pr they probably don't watch my YouTube channel. So maybe I should just like, you know check myself a little bit but yeah it's not like the whole world is going to see it if you put it on youtube yeah. but uh but some people watch it and they think it's they think it's amusing so right you brought up a good point like kind of going back to the um only fans thing like you kind of got to ask yourself do i give a shit do i give a shit if anybody sees this for me the answer was no you know and that's why i'm like well why not you know like are they going to think less of me Everybody mm -hmm. knows I'm a weirdo. You know, they everybody knows that I'm I'm Brian Kitty and I'm kind of a, you know, I, I'm just a curious person at heart, you know, and uh, I want to see what, you know, see what that avenue was all about. And that's part of, part of the why I did it. But then you get the opposite of the spectrum of people like, I'm not going to post a picture of, you know, my kid or, you know, don't post me in a bathing suit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who cares? Like, I mean, I understand maybe a little bit with the kid thing you don't want weirdos coming after mm. your kid i get that you know but like in the end i feel like people yeah. are just really paranoid you know 
I don't know. That's just my take. I'm, maybe I'm just a little no, too No, and also I think uh, we have to bring up the fact that you didn't just do this for shits and giggles, man. You've got a kid now, and that played an integral part in, in you being able to afford that treatment, you know? And, you know, she's she's your world, and that's, right. that's part of the story. And I think that's beautiful. You know, it's not like, oh, I'll just do it because I want a, I want a new... Yeah. I don't know, wheelchair cushion, you know, you, you actually put it towards something that was really, really precious. And that's, that makes it even more beautiful, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a win-win. So, um, yeah, man, it was definitely, definitely expensive of a process. And, but it's one, one of those things that I would do again in a heartbeat, you know, I won't do it again in a heartbeat because mm. I only want one kid. But what I'm saying is there was that whole process, that was a four-year process. And each time you mm-hmm. plunked out a ton of money and each time you go through all these appointments and my wife went through all these shots and all this shit for months and then only to get a call and say, oh, sorry, you mm-hmm. are successful. And that is a slap in the face. I mean, and it's it's an emo- emotional roller coaster. I mean, I would think, and so I always think trying to go through all the fertility stuff was almost worse than becoming paralyzed just because there's if not as bad just because it's such an emotional it takes Mm. such an emotional toll you know and then we had so basically we had done an ivf which is fifteen thousand dollars sorry that sorry for your luck that didn't work and then we did three three in uterine inseminations which is basically what they do is that was after i was figured out how to ejaculate they take the sperm, they wash it, they inject it directly into the cervix and hope it finds, you know, an egg. Um, so we had done these four treatments over the span of three and a half years that hadn't worked. So I'm like, man, we have to do IVF again, which IVF is when they collect eggs, they collect the sperm, they put them together in a Petri dish and then put the fertilized eggs, you know, the embryos back in. Um, but I felt like I was so callous to the fact that, you know, I, I I had been burned so many times that once we did get the call that said, you're pregnant, I just, that was a shocker for me. It was almost, it was almost as shocking as saying, you're never going to walk again. I I mean, I don't know, maybe not, but I just feel like it was very, you know, it's just like, oh my God, it, it finally worked, you know? And I'm going to be a dad. This is insane. You know, it was such a mind boggling experience. I remember looking in my backyard thinking, you know, there's probably going to be a swing set there one day and there's going to be, you know, a crib in the room that, you know, office is not going to be an office anymore. It's going to be my little girl's room. You know, it's just you, your, your head goes on kind of overload at that minute when you find out that you're going to be a father, it's like, my life is completely going to change. You know, my sports car is going to have a baby yeah. seat in the back. You know, like, what the, what the hell is this? And then once it happens, you're like, man, I can't imagine, what the hell was my life like before mm. I had a kid? You know, I, it's like, I almost forget. That's so beautiful, man. And, and one of the things I really love uh, is that you've documented that whole journey. Like, I love 
that um, you know that this is how I, I pick up my baby because you know I don't have uh, the, the the ab movement, so I, I wrap her in a in a blanket and you know pick her up like this, and then I use the the special basket and and I do it on the on the table, and I can all those things are like such valuable information for new parents in wheelchairs, so good, and it, the fact that you just document it, I mean, it's just it's just. Awesome, man. Like I say, I'm, I'm in, I love your YouTube channel and your YouTube journey so much, and I think that's why, you know, regardless of the of the devotees and the and the bit where you can see like a little tiny uh, half frame of penis, I think the reason you've got such a wonderful following is because you are <laughs> a very endearing character, very humble, very honest, you know, just very to the point, um, helping so many people, and people just fall in love with your journey, man. And watching, you know, the fact that you were raising money for IVF successfully getting pregnant uh and then you know raising a child from a wheelchair it's just really cool man and i like i say it's just such a an awesome journey for you to share with with an audience and and it seems like your audience is very engaged well, as thank well, you so really awesome thanks man i appreciate that you know it's the same thing where when i when we were trying to have a kid and then we finally figured out we were pregnant there were so many things that i just assumed i couldn't do Exactly like when I first became paralyzed. There's so many things that I thought I was not going to be able to figure out. And COVID was interesting because um, I had told you I got laid off from my job during COVID. I had no choice but to be the stay-at-home dad with a two-year-old girl. And I'm like, my wife's going to leave. I'm going to be all by myself. I'm going to F up. I'm going to, I'm going to, she's going to fall off the table. What am I going to do? And I, I, I realized, you know mm. what? I got this. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm par- I'm essentially shoulders arms and a head but yet i'm taking care of this baby by myself and i was like i need to share mm-hmm. this with people people need to know that this is actually mm-hmm. a doable thing if they think they want to become parents i know parenthood's not for everybody but if you want it here's a video showing you how mm-hmm. how i did it but then you also have people coming on there saying so for instance i can't i'm i don't have any core control so i have stability issues so I was picking my daughter up, kind of wrapped a blanket around her, picked her up with one arm, set her on my lap. People were going, oh my God, you didn't support her head. I'm like, she's fine. Obviously, yeah. she's fine. Like, And the, the cool thing is too, I mean, she's grown up with me in a wheelchair. So we've gotten used to just that kind of stuff. You know, she constantly climbs on my lap and you know, I'm basically this human stroller. Yeah, right. Yeah, we bought we bought this really expensive stroller and literally used it maybe five times. Wow. Because I am the stroller. Of course. I'm like, well, that was a that was a big waste. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. Like, yeah, the, I can't believe you got some negative comments, but I guess you know, in the comment section, you find all sorts of people. Yeah. So yeah, it's you it's, got you you got the trolls. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure you get you've had had troll material. Like yeah. somebody told me that I should be eating shit in the streets because I'm an invalid. I don't know. Like, Ugh. like why would you even take? Why would you even take the time to tell somebody you are worthless? You know, I, the kind of person that does that is just somebody that's a, a miserable person. You know, yeah, I guess so. so. I guess that's the that's what happens when your channel gets more traction and more views. People start. I don't know what on earth. Why on earth someone would say that, really? That's that's a horrible comment. But I haven't had, you know, touch wood, any negative comments quite that bad. Uh, I don't think I've had any, actually, which is which is great. So, um, so yeah. So you're doing good. 
Yeah. You haven't pissed anybody off yet. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I get some sort of like fairly annoying comments sometimes, but yeah, they're, they're pretty random. Like, well, what's an example of an annoying comment? Like someone said, oh, do you always have to use hip hop music? Like some people don't like hip hop music. And I'm like, it's just B-roll and music, man. Like, I, like why would you? Th- I don't know. Again, that's it, it. it's just weird. Like, I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> But like it's right. it's mildly annoying. It that that's an example of something that's mildly annoying. Like why would you use that type of music? I'm like, well, actually, it was actually the background music was a song that I'd written and I was rapping on it. So that was the reason. It was a song about being in a wheelchair. It was called um, "It Was All a Dream" and it was a, a biggie, like a parody. You know, it was all a dream, living carefree in Morzine to a hospital bed dosed up on morphine. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So you didn't read Word Up magazine. that's cool man i like that i think one of your videos where you were talking about um oh shit i'm gonna have to rap to these kids Mm. you were talking to somebody about that and the the other guy's commentary was cracking me up like oh man i might as well just kill myself like they're gonna heckle me they're gonna heckle me so bad you know because 13 year old kids are the biggest assholes you've ever met. So, right. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> so, the story behind that was I actually did an inspirational talk recently, and uh, I don't know what I thought qualified me for this role, but I, I like my girlfriend was working with some kids, and she was like, you know, they're a bit, they need a bit of guidance. You know, they're, they're not troublesome. They're, they're good kids, but they, you know, they could do with someone like just talking to them. And I was like, I'll do it. I don't know where I got the balls to just be like, I'll do it. Um, came in fairly unprepared. Uh, I led some, I taught them about like meditation and just sort of like, you know, because I think they, they said, oh, a guy, someone's going to come in and have and chat to you and he's going to be in a wheelchair. And as soon as I turned up, I thought, they probably thought, oh, wow, I didn't think he was going to look like that guy, you know, like coming yeah. in like quite sort of, uh, I don't know, cool. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using that word, but I guess, you know, not your average wheelchair guy, right? And I talked to them about mindfulness and gratitude and meditation. I led a few like um, guided meditations and they surprisingly all sat down in silence with their eyes closed. And the teachers afterwards, they were like, dude, I don't know how you did that, but like that's the quietest they've been all week. Um, Spoke to them about, you know, the last time, like we do everything a finite amount of times, you know, like you're here in Morzine, it's beautiful. Like next week you're going to be back in Huddersfield. Like take the time to enjoy this. Some of you might never come back here, you know. And then one of the guys was like, you know, what do you do? Like, um, do you have any hobbies? And I was like, yeah, I got a YouTube channel. Um, I have a podcast and I, you know, I make music. He's like, oh, you make music. He's like, oh, amazing. I make music. What sort of music do you make? And I said, oh, I, I rap. And he was like, oh, do you? And then I, as the words come out of my mouth, I was like, <laughs> I said, I've actually got a rap that's about what we spoke about today. And they were like, no way. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to rap this now, aren't I? And yeah. for some reason, I had the balls and the confidence to do it. And I nailed it, which was good. Because like like my friend said on the podcast, <laughs> he's like, if you didn't nail that man, they would tear you to pieces. You know, these are like 13-year-old right. kids, man. They take no prisoners. And um, even the teacher afterwards was like, hey, man, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have this on video? I don't have it on video, yeah, no, but, no, but it's on a podcast oh, I recorded. Um, I'll have to link it in the description or something. I think it was called Open, Honest and Open AI, maybe. Yeah, so we, okay. we spoke about it on the podcast. That was the clip that you saw. Um, so I rapped to these kids, and luckily enough, yeah. after I finished, they were like, 
that was awesome and i was like yeah that was pretty awesome that was like, I'll, I'll you know I'll, you're that, like you know, you know. I, I nailed you it, it. And I, you know and, and luck luck would have it i did nail it and i and i wheeled out of there like kind of like a like i've made an impression on these kids lives it was pretty good um then and for some reason i ca- i went in there with nothing to lose like and in a remarkable sense of misguided confidence that i was going to nail it did nail it yeah and then the next week chris was like oh you um do you want to come and talk to the neck to the new lot of kids and i was like way more nervous because like word had spread that you know it was it was it was you know uh, there was hype yeah and um yep hype had built up and then the new set of kids came in and i was really i was a bit more nervous you know crikey like, like the first time i had nothing to lose this time i've got to make lightning strike twice um and it was all right. It didn't go as well as the first time, but I read the room and I was like, I'm definitely not rapping to these kids. Like I've done my bit. I've done my, you know, I've given them the talk about gratitude and mindfulness and, you know, everything. But like, you know, know when you're ahead, man, quit while you're ahead. Like don't, don't go rapping right. to these kids. They're not on your side just yet. You know? <laughs> so, but yeah, I did That's a awesome, couple man. of inspirational talks, which was uh, really, um, what's the word uh unexpected i had i hadn't anticipated doing uh, an inspirational talk for, for for teenagers but but i did it i had a guy reach out to me recently uh who's just been newly paralyzed and he actually got paralyzed here in morzine coincidentally um but he doesn't live here he lives back in the uk so he got paralyzed in a, in a mountain biking accident on a run that i know very well that i used to really enjoy but yeah, he messaged me saying, oh, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time to chat with me. And I'm like, you're welcome, man. It's almost like um, I've been I've been waiting for this moment and, and I've got this whole back catalogue of YouTube videos that, that could help you. And I've, I've sort of been signposting him to, to your content, uh, Wheels to Walking and, you know, lots of brilliant content online, which is which is amazing. And I love being that. Uh, I love being able to be in a position to help uh, help people in need. Uh, and I just wondered if you, if you resonated with that. Yeah. I mean, I've had the same exact experience where, um, so wait, you were saying that he was also in a snowboarding accident, a mountain biking, accident. mountain biking accident. Okay. I was going to say like, I feel like whenever I get somebody that has a motorcycle accident, um, and I can, they can really relate with, you know, the same exact thing happening to me. That's why I was asking you if you had, had any peer mentors that were, or any people that you peer mentored that were in the same exact kind of accident. Um, but even in, even with people that aren't, it's huge. I mean, it, it makes me feel good to at least be an ear for them, you know, even if they're pissed off and um, upset. I mean, his, that was exactly where I was at that, at that time. And I'm glad that they can relay that off me. Um, and I think you and I are good people to be peer mentors because we get it. You know, there's nobody else that mm. these people can talk to that are going to understand as well as we do. So, yeah, I mean, I I completely, completely agree. It's just, it's that giving back that just feels good. And just being humble and in, in the fact that, you know, we understand that there's not a lot that's shiny and bright about this kind of an injury, you know, especially in the beginning, like... I mean, I'll never forget when I was in the ICU, um, they had had me on so many opiates and so so many painkillers that my bowel would not move. So they were Mm. basically pumping me full of these, you know, 
laxatives just trying to get my bowels to move because they didn't want me to get completely impacted. Of course, I have a massive blowout. And who comes who comes in to clean me up? Two beautiful, like 22-year-old, <laughs> you know, nurses or patient care assistants. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, like why couldn't it be like, you know, uh, you know, old lady Karen that comes in, you know, with her flabby arms, you know, wiping my butt. Yeah, yeah. They gotta be this gorgeous, <laughs> these two gorgeous girls. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was a complete tangent now off of our topic. But it was, you know, no, no, it was good. It happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, one of the things that uh, I realized in hindsight that I could have done um, when I saw your videos, firstly, I could have, ju- I could have just commented and just said, "Hey, Brian, by the way, I'm really struggling. Um, is there any way of me to contact you?" And I think, well, I'm gonna, you know, go ahead and assume that you would be more than open to that and be like, "Absolutely, man. Like, you know, here's my email or something." And yeah. And for some reason, when you see people on like the YouTube, you're like, "Oh, that's cool," but um, you you know, but it feels like, well, I just wanted to put it out there now on the, on the public platform that you know, if anyone's struggling at the moment and they see my YouTube channel. You can definitely reach out to me if you're struggling with an injury. Yep. I'm more than happy to, you know, talk talk with you. You can you can ask me questions or anything. So that was one of the things I would have loved to have done because it's actually what I did with Richard from Wheels to Walking. Um, I he I remember sending him a video uh, uh, replying to one of his emails once because he had an email list and um, it was kind of a funny thing. I was like, do you know what? I kind of thought you were a bit. I think I said, oh, I think you were a bit full of yourself when I first saw your videos, but actually I think you're really cool. And he was just like, oh, that's such a weird backhanded compliment, but he took it. And, <laughs> and then we developed like a really lovely relationship um, with, um, you know, he really mentored me a lot through the dark times. And he had uh, a comment on a podcast. It was Wheels to Walking podcast episode six. I remember it <laughs> like it was yesterday where he said something that really resonated with me when I was going through a really dark time having lots of suicidal thoughts he said everything gets better after the first year and if you can just make it you know to the anniversary of your you know accident everything will be better because right now you're looking back at times when you you know this time last year you were snowboarding or this time last year you were biking you know like um, when you get to that one year anniversary, you're like, oh my God, this time last year I was laid up. I couldn't even move from the bed. You know, I was just out of surgery. This time last year I was figuring out my bowel routine and it was taking hours. You know, this time last year I couldn't even do a bed to uh, chair transfer, you know, and that was taking me ages. And and then all those little wins, you can look back and be like, oh my God, let now, let now look at me. I'm, I'm getting loads better. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, cool. Well, it doesn't mean I don't have to not kill myself. It just means I don't, I'm not going to kill myself now. You know, I can give it till January the 9th, you know, January the 9th is my anniversary. So, so why not? I've got nothing to lose. Uh, if he's wrong, I've always got that in my back pocket, you know, I'd be like, okay, cool. You were wrong. Yeah. But it actually really, it was those words that like hit me just at the right time that gave me the, uh, the strength to like move through the Christmas period was really tough for me. And then, yeah, after the, my one year anniversary, everything did get better and I was like wow that's that is cool and I was looking back at the memories and be like you know what I have come a long way since last year and and I guess you don't really need to have that you could just look back um but it I could say it was just it's wonderful to signpost people that are newly injured to these wonderful resources and also to let people know that you know behind the YouTube channel we are like human and we're like definitely um reachable and contactable 
yeah, I mean, I would have done the same exactly like you said. I mean, I would have been so happy to to chat, you know, and uh, I, w- I wish you did. That was part of the reason why I comment on your videos because I want you to know what's going through my head because I because I thought the same thing as you. Like I've watched I watched hundreds of YouTube videos all the time, and I never give people feedback and appreciation for what they've done and let them know that it truly made a difference. And um, yeah, I mean, the fact that you did that for him, and I think that's fantastic. I'm not offended that you never commented on any of my videos, uh, but I've had some comments on my videos that have really hit me hard, um, especially the, the suicidal you know, thought. Um, I've had people that said, you kept me from killing myself, mm. point blank. You gave me the confidence to not kill myself because they said, you know, I was on the verge of suicide and I thank you so much for not letting me go down that path because things are better now and I have gotten control over my life. And if you think about, you know, you, you might've made that same impact on people and maybe they just didn't comment, you know, but Mm -hmm. the possibility is there. It's a good possibility. You've helped people, you know, get out of that funk like you were able to get out of that funk. And that's a huge well, I've deal. Had comments. <laughs> yeah, I've had comments similar, you know, I've had direct um, connect uh, contact with people who's contacted me through my YouTube channel. Like I've mentored people uh, all the way in Australia. And, you know, he said to me directly, he said, you know, you saved my life, man. Like you, I would have killed myself if it wasn't for you. Um, I've had comments like that on my YouTube videos, like, you know, this, this video saved my life. And yeah, it's really, I don't know. Again, you're like, is, is that true? Are you blowing smoke up my ass? I don't know. Like, but it's certainly awesome. Like, it's like, well, if it did, that's, that's brilliant. You know, my job here is done. And, and it's lovely how, like I would, so I would say you and especially Richard from wheels to walking had a very direct impact on my early days. And, you know, I would definitely credit Richard with, you know, saying, um, you know, I, I, what's the word? He definitely played an integral part in me not killing myself. And I credit, you know, I, I credit him with, you know, my life, you know, and it's wonderful. Now it's gone full circle and now I'm creating content that helps other people, you know, not kill themselves. And it's like, oh, amazing. It's just this wonderful, like, um, community of people that, you know, life after spinal cord injury. Yes, it's tough, but it's, it's doable and it can be, you know, fun and exciting and new and yeah tough also you know um so it's it's really cool man yeah i just thought of one one um, question that i did have for you um you are what four and a half years into your accident right do you feel like you are ahead of the curve in your i guess timeline on that because for me looking at you i feel like you and i know i told you this when we spoke yesterday I feel like you have come so far in such a limited amount of time. Um, and I just wanted to see if when you're reflecting on that yourself, do you feel like you're in, you, do you feel like you're ahead of the curve, so to speak? Um, I think not that there's I don't a know. race. I haven't, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I've got no, I've got no comparison. I've got no, I've got no one to compare myself to. There isn't like another paralyzed guy like behind the curve if if you know what i mean right so i don't really know but all i know is that i'm very very lucky i'm very lucky to live in a time where for example richard started wheels to walking pretty much 
exactly when I got paralyzed. So there were like new videos out every week and I was like, holy shit, this guy's like really, every week there's a new cool wheelchair video, like in showing, showcasing on what you can do in a wheelchair. And while some of the things like didn't vibe with me, like some the most extreme things, the conversations he would have with people about being addicted to opiates, about having depressive suicidal thoughts and having, you know, they were, they were very common. There's like, yeah, I was where you were and it was hard. And Richard was like, yeah, I can relate. But like, how good is life now? And I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it's going to get better, surely. There's a recurring theme in all these videos, you know. And it was so valuable for me. So, so valuable. And reaching out and uh, nurturing a friendship with Richard was, was insanely valuable. And getting, getting mentored from him, really. And it was just... It was just awesome. So I think I'm very lucky to live in a time where there's such valuable resources on YouTube, like your channel especially, like helped me so much in the early days. Um, to being like, ah, this guy's Brian. He, he, you know, he seems to be sh sharing quite a lot, you know, like how valuable, um, you know, and he also seems very happy. He's starting a family. Again, I sort of vibed more, instead of the, the extreme sports on uh, on the wheels to walking. It was like, you know, when he interviewed like a guy who was a dad, for example, I was like, oh, amazing. You can be a dad, you know, you can lift like your videos, you know, it's perfect. It's not about, you know, reclaiming the extreme lifestyle I once had, but it's about knowing that if I wanted to be a dad one day, I could. And, you know, I could physically be able to do that and I could, you know, be in a relationship, you know, and, and see myself you know, love myself, see myself as worthy of love and, and all these wonderful things. So there were some really cool thing. Yeah. So I think maybe if, if I do seem ahead of the curve, it's definitely, I'm standing on the shoulders of all the people that laid the, the foundations like you and Richard and, and other things. So yeah. yeah, and I'm just doing my best to continue. That's cool, man. That's cool. And like I said, that's why we made those videos. So I made my videos to kind of twofold to prove to myself to have something I can look back on and say, hey, I did that and I'm proud of it. And then also to keep other people from having to do so much trial and error. Cause I mean, if you, if I figured it out after, you know, a month and you can watch a video and do the same thing within a week, that's fantastic. I just saved mm -hmm. you all that extra time and hassle of doing, you know, doing something. Um, I did, you were talking about peer mentorship and it made me think of a story that's like insane. So try to wrap your mind around this. I've tried to figure this out forever. Um, I'm trying to think it was two or three years into my accident. I got a call from the hospital that said, Hey, we've got a guy in here that just had a motorcycle accident. Um, he, he hit a tree just like you. Um, can you come in and talk to him? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come in. So I went in and, um, we actually developed kind of a friendship. So flash forward to like two months later, he was in an apartment, um, you know, living independently, so to speak. And mm -hmm. he's got, he goes, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting right now because I got my accident report back. And I look at the accident report and come to find he hit the same tree that I did. He got, para no way. he got paralyzed from hitting the exact same, like, what are the odds? First of all, what are the odds that two people would hit the same tree and be paralyzed and get in contact with one another, you know? And it's mm. just, it's, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, no way. And it was, it was very obvious because I went back to that tree and you can see the chunk of the tree that I took out with my helmet. And then he had hit it sideways. 
So it basically hit him in the side, which is what kicked his spine. Um, and then you can see the blood from his head on the curb. So like, oh, wow. Like it just was, it was nuts. He did not have a helmet on and he was lucky that he didn't hit it head first. <laughs> but just yeah. like, how does that happen? But well, the reason I share that story is because it's crazy. And I also share the fact that he wasn't really able to get out of that funk. And I'm not really sure what he's doing now, but you take two people with basically the same exact situation and it's all about personal choice. You know, at, at the end of the day, I can put out as much content as I want. I can try to help you as much as you want, but as a peer mentor, I can't force you to be happy. And that was really frustrating for me. Um, I wanted so badly to help him get out of this funk. And I don't, I don't know if he ever did. He did message me about three years later and say, Hey man, I, I just wanted to say thanks again. You know, sorry if I was a dick when I was in a bad mood and was ignoring your phone, your phone calls and ignoring your text messages and stuff. He was at a really dark time at that time, but it's just, yeah, that's also just the message that I want to relay to people too. It's not, automatic that you are going to be happy um yeah so i don't know absolutely yeah i think um when i did my mentoring program i they warned about being overly positive and i was like really what do you mean overly positive and of course it there is a i mean i think it's fine for us to have a conversation on a podcast but if you're one-to-one -one mentoring someone you don't want to be like oh hey man don't worry in a few years time it'll be sunshine and rainbows baby you know you're definitely going to get through this struggle and you're going to be stronger like that's not guaranteed that's absolutely not guaranteed and i want to be real here like it's hard you know it's hard like i i was moments away from making a completely different decision and you know, I wouldn't be here now. So I don't want to oversimplify things. And that's really good that you brought that up because, you know, um, we should end on this note that, you know, it is, it's really tough. And we are two success stories, but, you know, not everyone can get to where we are. But I think it's nice to showcase disability as not something terrible. And, uh, you know, I definitely don't think I would have got here without your channel, without Richard's channel, without the YouTube resources. Um, but I don't want to oversimplify things and say, you know, it's, you know, you, it's a given, you know, right. your, disability, ooh, yeah. spasm. <laughs> your disability doesn't um, automatically come with a, with a positive mindset. You have to work for it. Yep. And then you brought up your spasms. <laughs> that was going to be, I know right on cue. That was going to be a completely different right on cue. Spasms. It was going to be like, uh, oh, and there we go. What a beautiful end to, to the podcast. This cause I need a wee and my leg was like, <laughs> yep. Like, so as a, Get up and let's yeah. go pee. Well, that's yeah. cool, man. But um, but I think that's a beautiful way to bring the podcast to a close. And yeah. um, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Kinney. And if people want to find you, uh, how can they get hold of you? Uh, well, uh, uh, Paralyzed Living. If you just Google it, um, the YouTube channel comes up. I also have a Paralyzed Living Facebook page if you want to check that out. Um, a lot of the content, like I said, is a little bit older, but still useful. If you want to check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being part of this, Brian. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good chatting with you, man. We got to do it again.